when I was previously working, I kind of kept a list of uh, four or five different people. Uh, I think I called it like a, a mentorship tracker. And I had um, different people in my life and in, in, in my company that I sought out for different types of, of mentorship and coaching. Um, because you, you do want to be deliberate about what you bring to different types of people to make sure you're maximizing that conversation because not everyone is best suited to, to have that conversation. Hi, and welcome to Entrepreneurs Talk Africa, your source of inspiration and action from African leaders and founders. I'm Jason Delory, innovation specialist and serial entrepreneur, and I have the immense pleasure of being your host today. Today, we will be talking to Chris Suzdak from Coffee Chat about a subject that is close to my heart and I feel is really undervalued in Africa. The subject is coaching. Hi, Chris. Thanks, Jason. So, do you want to give our listeners a bit more of a background about you and, and why you chose to become an entrepreneur? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I've always had a lot of startup ideas floating around uh, in my head, and I've always listened to a lot of uh, podcasts like How I Built This. And, you know, if your podcast had been around, I'm sure it would have also inspired me to make the leap. But, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm from originally the U.S. I studied economics, and uh, you know, in college, I learned a lot about um, you know how innovation and incentives can help drive a society forward and reward those who take risks. So I think I was uh, pointed towards entrepreneurship from from all angles, and uh, I you know I knew that I couldn't start my own company uh, from scratch uh, straight out of college, so I, I ended up moving over to Africa and getting uh, some hands-on experience across different business models and teams. And uh, just a few years ago, I, I finally uh, took that leap. And, uh, you know, what, what really pushed me, um, you know, uh, to, to make that leap uh, when it came down to it was actually having a colleague at the time uh, validate my idea and offer to actually invest his money. And so uh, for me, that was a sign that it was it was time to to get get into it. Yeah, that that sounds amazing. I I think very few entrepreneurs get get the investment before they they've started the business. So so that was definitely something that uh, that would have spurred anybody on. I think, and uh, thankfully you've done it. So you've been, I believe, um, running Coffee Chat for almost two years now. Yeah, definitely. It doesn't feel uh, <laughs> like it, but yeah, it's uh, we're we're entering into our third year now. Oh, fantastic. And, and one thing I found interesting about your career, and, and like you mentioned, you, you spent a lot of time in Africa, you know, for seven years prior to, to starting your own venture. And you, you, I believe, spend a lot of time in different areas in Africa, predominantly in the agri-tech space. What, what drew you there? What drew you to Africa in the first place? Yeah, uh, so, you know, I, I spent some of my summers uh, during, during college years in Ghana, uh, which is in West Africa. Um, and each summer I would come back, I was doing a different type of project, but I was really inspired by the rapid growth that was happening, but also the the impact opportunity um, because, you know, the economic growth that was happening was, you know, having a really huge impact on people's um, well-being. Um, and so that was happening in both rural areas and urban areas. And so that kind of uh, lit the interest uh, in in Africa, 
and I knew I was only kind of um, getting a small glimpse into to the wider continent. Uh, and so, yeah, I got lucky. I, I ended up uh, taking a couple different roles um, across different companies. And so um, ended up uh, working in Gabon for a year and then over to Malawi for a few years and then on to Zambia. And uh, that kind of informed um, my approach to entrepreneurship, but also, um, you know, this is where I've been working across my, my full professional career. And so when it came to start my own business, it, it made a lot of sense to, to leverage my experience and, and, and uh, apply it uh, in the region. And also, to be honest, you know, I grew up traveling a lot on trips with my parents. And so the idea of living abroad and starting like an international business sounded a lot more exciting than trying to define my way in a very saturated U.S. market. Yeah, that that sounds interesting, and and you have almost a, a unique perspective as as a you know a foreigner in Africa, where you've been able to see you know the different cultures across a, a lot of the breadth of Africa, and not just seeing it as as one country that sometimes it's it's often seen as. Yeah, I mean. Um when I was asked to expand a company uh, that had been operating in, in Kenya, Rwanda, and Tanzania, and they were uh, growing to other markets, they had a whole you know, team dedicated to new country expansion. Mm-hmm. And they had done you know, almost two years of scouting in Malawi before they sent me down there to, to start um, their branch there. And, you know, I was equipped with lots of information, but, you know, when you actually, go and start your business and try to adopt your model for a different market, even if it's just a neighboring country, there's so much you need to, to tweak um, to really get it right. Um, and so, yeah, for anyone looking to you know, create a pan-African business, you ha- definitely have to be aware of the, the nuances that each uh, market, each type of target customer um, requires in order to, to kind of sell them on your your service yeah that's so true and it's definitely something that everyone should be considering if they're if they're looking at expansion but i think we've got a bit of an understanding of why you personally um, were attracted to to africa but why did you choose to set up your startup in africa it could have stayed in in america or in silicon valley what made you decide to set it up in africa yeah so i mean there there's two distinctions there one like what did I want my business to be addressing or what, what challenges was I hoping to uh, address uh, with the business model? Um, and like I said, I've, I've been working over here all of my professional career. Uh, my years of experience building teams was what led me to kind of pick up on some of the gaps in terms of leadership development that exist and, and that coaching can help address. Mm-hmm. But also in terms of like registering the business, I wanted to, you know, keep it uh, local, so to say. And so, you know, when I did my homework and looked at top kind of startup hubs and destinations, Mauritius is not, you know, uh, on on the level of, you know, Nairobi or Lagos or Cape Town when it comes to startup mm-hmm. hubs, but it did provide a lot of, um confidence for me as a foreigner to be able to say that I can have 100% foreign ownership, that I can easily get a work permit if I, you know, follow all the the steps 
And that was uh, different from the experience that I had helping register different companies in, in some of the other markets that I had uh, helped others build their businesses in. And so when it came to me starting finally my own business, I wanted to make sure I was setting myself up for success. And so Mercius was a good option for me. Um, I did plan to do a lot more traveling than I, I have uh, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, but 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 uh, lucky enough, uh, the nature of the business that I do is is virtual. And uh, with what's happened in 2020, a lot more individuals and companies are willing to um, buy services and enter into agreements uh, without ever kind of meeting me in person, which is uh, one concern that I did have um, being based here. But it seems to be less of a, of a risk now. Yeah. And I think you, you, your experience gives you a, a bit of a unique perspective. That experience of setting up different companies in, in countries across Africa, you know, it really informed your decision. And I think definitely being more aware of what exactly are the legal requirements was definitely an aid to you. And, uh, and yes, I, I also agree that setting up in Mauritius does have its benefits, even though it may not be as robust an ecosystem as some of our brother and sister African countries. Um, and I think it's, it's an evolving situation. So mm-hmm. uh, anyone who, who's looking to register their startup uh, needs to really understand uh, what their vision is for their target market, but also who their investors will be and um, mm-hmm. really seek out advice on how to best do that because there's a lot of um, local legislation that, that's evolving in in markets like Mauritius itself, but also South Africa and even the U.S. And mm-hmm. and so um, whether you're starting from scratch or whether you're uh, looking to grow your business, it's never too late to kind of restructure your business. But mm-hmm. Mauritius um, still has a, has a lot of benefits when it comes to um, some of the traditional risks, but also things like intellectual property transfer um, is much more advantageous to be based here if you're looking to be eventually acquired. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think it's a it's a common mistake that 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 we see with entrepreneurs who have great ideas. They almost underestimate, you know, the administrative and and the legal side of setting up a business. And it would be interesting, what would you feel was your biggest failure, you know, during this journey of entrepreneurship and, and what have you learned from it? Yeah. Of course. Uh, so, I mean, I've been working for about 10 years, uh, close to 10 years now. So definitely I've had a lot of mistakes along the way um, that have that have been important to shaping my approach to, to work and life. Uh, but the biggest one recently that I would highlight, which is is probably most relevant to founders who might be, be listening, um, and this, this sounds like a no-brainer, but I still managed to, to mess it up is, you know, I was coming from a non-technical background. You mentioned I was working in ag tech. I wouldn't label it as ag tech. I was working in operations in Mm. agricultural and in microfinance models. Um, And so it was a lot of, um, you know, traditional uh, team building, a lot of uh, outreach training, logistics, Mm. to service the clients uh, in the different companies I had previously worked for. So I was kind of uh, getting into a whole new type of, of business um, mm. that I didn't have experience with. So 
I was looking to start a tech platform um, without a technical co-founder. Um, yeah. And uh, I didn't really know anything about the cost of software development. I did go seek out some initial uh, quotes and discussed with different people I knew who were product managers at the companies I had worked for. Um, so I, I did some homework, but ultimately at the end of the day, uh, looking back, I grossly over underestimated the cost of software development. And I also overweighted uh, the input from prospective users uh, that I had been interviewing um, mm. as I was designing uh, the platform that I wanted to build. Uh, and so you know, maybe if I had attended uh, a proper incubator program, they would have uh, uh, <laughs> convinced me to do otherwise, but I essentially did it alone. And rather than releasing a lean version of the platform or, or what's called an MVP and letting actual paid users determine which features should be should be built, I went ahead and thought I could, you know, with my vision, build out this great platform, which pulled from a lot of best practices of other uh, freelance platforms in that people would come. Um, and I was wrong. <laughs> and so... Uh, I ended up spending a lot of money building something that wasn't necessarily solving uh, an immediate problem. And I didn't give myself the, the type of runway that would be needed. Um, and so, uh, you know, uh, I would see that as a failure. Luckily, I've been able to uh, bounce back and kind of uh, be resilient. Um, but if I had to do it all over again, I would definitely do it very differently. Um, you and I have, have talked a little bit about uh, the no-code tools that are now available out yep. there, mm-hmm. um, including the likes of Bubble. And, and when we first met, uh, when I was right at the stage of starting Coffee Chat, uh, we both kind of agreed and, and, and said that it, it wouldn't actually do what we would need it to do. Mm-hmm. And um, at that time, it, it might have been true, but uh, no-code tools have actually come a long way even yep. in the past few years yep. and really are uh, an incredible tool that can allow a non-technical founder to um, try out a bunch of different uh, models even and, and pivot a bunch of times. And yep. of course it depends on your business model. So if you have something that that's super technical um, in nature or non um, internet based uh, or things like that, um, these no-code MVP tools uh, probably won't be as relevant. Um, but um, yeah, if I had to do it all over again, I would definitely uh, start by you know, on my own learning how to use one of these no-code or low-code software development tools, uh, create a very lean version and roll it out that way. Um, some people say that um, it's a bad idea because maybe you don't own the full IP mm-hmm. of it or that is not fully scalable, um, but uh, that's not really what the objective is at the MVP stage. You're just trying to see if you can get any kind of market traction and yep. create something that you can then invest uh, or go raise money and then invest uh, money into building something more robust and scalable. Um, and I've even heard cases now where people have gotten into prestigious accelerators like Y Combinator using a prototype prototype made with a no-code tool. So um, this is just, I guess, an example of timing that, mm-hmm. you know, technology becomes inc- like exponentially cheaper as you go. And I think it's a great thing to allow 
uh, a lot more people to to start um, businesses, not only venture backed startups, but also just independent kind of solopreneur type of um, businesses uh, all over the world. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. And it's interesting you say, oh, it's a bit of a basic uh, mistake. However, both of us, I, I feel exactly the same as you. I felt that, you know, one of my failures within my entrepreneurial journey has definitely been gliding past that MVP stage and thinking I knew the solution before validating it with my customers, getting that real paying feedback from our users that we could have done on a, on a much uh, a much smaller budget, let's say, with, with the no-code no solutions. So even though you say it's basic, I think that it's one that is continuously done by, you know, most of the entrepreneurs over and over and over again. So it's definitely, I think, something that any budding entrepreneur out there should really consider before they dive in with the large amounts of investment to, to create their platform from scratch. That's definitely something I would have uh, done differently if I had been given the opportunity. And one of the things um, we see with your platform, uh, just to give our listeners a bit of context, is it's an online marketplace that that connects uh, coaches uh, to potential um, professionals throughout Africa. Uh, what is your definition between mentoring and coaching? Because it's one thing that I'm very passionate about, and it changed my life. Uh, and I really, I, I, I'm a big advocate, and I definitely tell every entrepreneur I meet that they need to find a mentor or a coach to take them through this experience. But how would you de- define the difference between mentoring and coaching? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's something I've had to really dig into and uh, figure out um, what the actual differences are uh, because there's you know not only coach, mentor, there's also consultant, advisor, mm-hmm. counselor, even therapist are sometimes in those conversations of of what um, support you can get. And um, I've also had to do kind of a lot of these types of conversations with prospective clients too, because um, it is confusing and there's a lot of different labels out there. Um, there are some actual certifications for d- different types of coaching, for example. Um, looking at it, like stepping back and actually thinking about uh, why, why is there a difference or, or what, what's the point? Um, ultimately you have to think about the style or like delivery, uh, of the support. So, um, it's, it's less about the label and it's more about how is that person going to support you? Are they going to be giving you a bunch of advice from their own experience and you're just going to be a sponge and absorb that, which can definitely be helpful in in some situations. Um, Or are you going to essentially be outsourcing some of the work to them uh, in which they can uh, give you different templates and give you frameworks to use, things like that? Or do you need someone to um, help you uh, have a conversation with yourself really and have a structured reflection session where you think through some of the toughest challenges uh, that you're facing. Um, and so when I talk to people who actually come to us and say, we, we need a coach or we need uh, a mentor, I actually ch- try to ask them questions to understand what type of support they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, because then I can prescribe to them, okay, no, I think what you're looking for is a mentor. This is your, I think you're looking actually for a coach. Um, and so I think it's more important to think about, um, what type of support, 
um, you need. Now, uh, the motivation uh, for starting Coffee Chat was actually an experience I had with two different executive coaches. And so the way coaches work in, in general um, is uh, the, the, the third kind of example that I, I just gave was where they will work with you to help you answer your own questions. So a coach yeah. won't give you answers. They're not going to actually uh, give you unsolicited advice or mm-hmm. um, try to point you in a certain direction. They typically use a methodology that they're even trained in, um, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, helping someone, usually an executive um, or a manager or an entrepreneur, think through some of the toughest issues that they're facing in their yeah. role Um, and have them think through and question their different assumptions, um, understand um, like new perspectives on that issue, and then kind of brainstorm and develop a a list of new strategies to to try out. And then in some ways, they're also an accountability partner because then you would have additional sessions with them um, and and kind of reflect on how how that went and and how you can move forward. and so, yeah, the, the key between a mentor and a coach generally is that a coach uses a questions-based approach um, while a mentor generally, and again, this is all over the place, a mentor will uh, give a lot of advice um, based on their own experience. Yeah, and I know the, the lines may be a little bit blurred and things, but I, I really do feel that that ability to almost uh, not give decisions or, or, or not give fish, but teach them how to fish. That coaching approach is so valuable because you're able to take that in a lasting way with whatever you do. Uh, because I'm also aware that there is that danger where when people go to some of these uh, very high up, they've had great careers, their coaches and their mentors, they tend to take what the, the coach or mentor say, says as you know, the word of law. So if they suggest you implement this, they, they just take it and they almost take that responsibility of the decision away from the, themselves, which I feel can be a big danger to themselves, the company and the relationship between them and the mentor. Because at the end of the day, they're providing advice. They're not exactly, they're not managing the company for you or, or whatever the case may be. So it, I think it's so important to have that distinction and know, know what you're going in for. Yeah, and the the same person, like if if someone is on your 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 startup's board or someone is an angel investor, they can have they can wear different hats. They can have a their coaching hat, or they can switch and say, "Look, I want to give you, you know, a piece of advice with my mentor hat on." Uh, that's totally fine. Um, but yeah, it, it can be complicated. But ultimately, um, you you do need to seek support. Um, and have a couple different sources of support. Um, when I was previously working, I kind of kept a list of, of four or five different people. Uh, I think I called it like a, a mentorship tracker. And I had um, different people in my life and, and in my company that I sought out for different types of, of mentorship and coaching. Um, because you, you do want to be deliberate about what you bring to different types of people to make sure you're maximizing that conversation uh, because not everyone is best suited to, to have that conversation. I completely agree. And um, 
I wish I had done something similar. I think that's a great tip for entrepreneurs out there who's listening or professionals in general. Have a list of people that you respect their, their thinking and their decisions and, and have them as your coaches and mentors. But the other misconception is that you should only have one coach or mentor. And, and I think that is something like you mentioned is you have different um, coaches for different aspects of your life or, or your professional career. And some people may be able to give you great advice in one area and maybe not so much in the area in, in another. So I think that is an important thing to, to point out to the entrepreneurs listening that you can have more than one coach and um, you should always be having a list of people who you respect their thinking and, and can go to for advice when you need it. Great. So, you know, we've looked at, you know, the experience of coaching and, and, and how, um, a, a potential person could approach it. But if we zoom out a bit and, and look at your impact in Africa and your choice to go down uh, the coaching route, why did you choose to go down this route? And, and what impact do you feel that coaching could have on Africa as a continent? Yeah, um, I mean, choosing choosing the coaching route for, for my startup, um, mm -hmm. It was a journey because, uh, like I mentioned, I've always had the kind of startup ideas in my head. Um, and and someone once told me uh, that you really shouldn't start a, a startup or a business unless you're really comfortable potentially being in that industry for 10 years, um, which is, is a good frame of mind because, you know, uh, when you think of a startup, you some early when you're new to it, you might naively think, okay, uh, you know, I'll give this a shot for 18 you know, months or two years, and then I can always uh, try something else. Um, and, and that's kind of how I was looking at it uh, before I came across that that advice, because you know I had been you know doing different types of fellowships and jobs and things like that, and so if you end up not being a good fit or not liking it, you can always move on to something else, uh, which is of course true. Uh, but if you really want to give it a shot and, and try to make the startup work, it, it is, you know, very possible that it might take 10 years. Um, yeah. And so um, I kind of approached it that way uh, because ultimately, you know, if you do a startup and it does fail after, you know, two, three years, you want to be able to maybe pivot and get a job in the same sector because, yeah you would have had some, some expertise that you would have built um, from that, that startup experience. And so when I was thinking about um, coffee chat, I was actually, I had some other ideas that I was uh, thinking about as alternatives. Um, it's funny, I haven't thought about this in a while because I've been <laughs> just fully uh, caught up with coffee chat, but I had also been exploring a African wedding app, a oh. wedding planner app. And I'd also been looking at like, um, insect production as like a form of protein. Those were both like actual ideas that I was like thinking about doing and talk to people about. And of course, the third one was, you know, a platform that could connect a lot more people with their own coach. And so when I was looking at all three, of course, there was a lot of different uh, criteria I was, I was evaluating yeah. to decide which one I wanted to really go with. Um, but but it really comes down to this question of um, if you had to actually do this for the next 10 years, uh, which one would you pick? Yeah. And so uh, I, <laughs> I I was comfortable with the coaching route because I knew, you know, from my experience building teams and working with my own executive coach, 
that this is something that um, I really enjoyed doing. I enjoyed experiencing and touches on a lot of areas around leadership development and, and professional skill building uh, in the region that it's only going to grow and become more important and be impactful. Um, and so that's uh, how I ended up you know, picking uh, the coaching um, industry as the, the target market that I wanted to go after. Yeah, I mean, and it's also um, one of the biggest things that keeps you motivated because there's going to be dark days. And if you don't have that uh, want to be in that industry long term or, or whatever, it's much more difficult to keep yourself motivated on those days that things are not maybe going as well as you plan. So, yeah, I agree. Exactly. Yeah. And you, and you asked about, you know, coaching in, in Africa and, and how, mm-hmm. um, you know, those two dynamics play together. Um, and I think ultimately uh, coaching um, has different types of applications. Um, uh, right now, when I look at the African market in what could be the clearest way for Coffee Chat to have an impact at scale, um, because you can think about life coaching, you can think about startup coaching, you can think about career coaching. Um, but ultimately, it was my experience with executive coaching or manager coaching that first attracted me. And when, I, when I've when i looked around and when I've had experience the first two years of the coffee chat, I think um, it's it's the executive coaching or manager coaching that um, has the the greatest potential for for us to to serve. Um, in fact, what our research shows, I think the African Management Institute uh, uh, has done a study and they say that there's 15 million managers uh, working wow. at professional organizations uh, across Africa. So that includes uh, like formal sector jobs where you're supervising someone at uh, at NGOs, businesses, governments. Um, so it's, it's a pretty big number of managers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've spoken to probably over a thousand coaches. I've spoken to um, a bunch of HR professionals, different executives. I've read a bunch of coaching industry reports. Uh, and my my best guess is that like less than ten percent of those fifteen million have some kind of regular access to wow. uh, their own coach. And wow. so uh, I think that's a shame uh, because mm-hmm. I had such a great experience on my own leadership journey having worked with, with different executive coaches and uh, I see the impact that it can have um, on a manager. And and when you think about managing people, it's very hard. And that's, Mm -hmm. that applies to wherever you are in the world. Um, And when things go wrong, when you're a manager, it has a big effect on your team's morale, um, their productivity, and even their creativity. Um, So like looking at my own experience, when, I didn't do a good job of aligning my full team around the same goals. They ultimately were unproductive when I didn't listen carefully or, or uh, make it clear that I was listening carefully to my different team members. They ended up stop sharing, stop sharing uh, innovative ideas. And then when I didn't inspire people enough around the vision, you know, people would leave to, to go to competitors or other companies. So managers have, um, a big role to play in organizations, not just the top, you know, CEO or director, but um, middle managers um, also, you know, affect teams. Most people leave uh, their jobs, not because of the the company or the mission, but because of their direct manager. Um, And so 
if we can get more, you know, double or triple that figure in terms of the, the managers in Africa who have access to a coach who can have that safe space to speak with someone on a regular basis so that they, you know, minimize the number of rookie mistakes that they might make, or they think through how they can better support their team. I think that would allow, um, you know, companies and even governments to, um, uh, be even more competitive on the global stage and, and have happier teams and communities. Yeah, that's so true. And it's interesting that you you, you pointed those statistics of, uh, you know, 15 million managers and, and the, the really small percentage of them who actually, you know, have coaching. I felt it throughout uh, my career in Africa because I am a big advocate of coaching. And, and it, like I mentioned, it, it did change the trajectory of my career, of my life. Um, but I found that when I shared this with my colleagues, with people around me, there was not much value put on coaching in, in African culture in a way where the, the, it was seen as something that if you were failing, you would go to do, but not necessarily to, to progress. I mean, have you experienced that? Uh, and if so, why do you feel that there's no value put on coaching? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say um, like the value put on coaching, but I would definitely agree with uh, the sentiment in some organizations um, about coaching is is only needed for underperformers. Mm-hmm. I think there are some companies that um, you know traditionally have used coaches as part of a performance improvement plan, mm-hmm. um, as like a last last measure to say, look, we're going to even bring in a coach to support you. Uh, and if you can't make this improvement over the next you know, three months, then, then that's the justification for terminating you. Because traditionally yeah. it can be quite difficult to fire someone in, in a lot of these markets. And so yeah. um, bringing in a coach and spending money on that um, could help uh, make the justification for letting someone go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I first looked into coaching, especially at different organizations, that was... Um, that was uh, mentioned a few times um, and a similar issue was, you know, uh, sometimes when someone is uh, chosen for coaching, they don't get to choose their own coach. They're just assigned a coach. Yep. Yep. And a big part of, of finding a good coach is having good chemistry because mm-hmm. um, you need to open up with that person and you need to really be thinking that this person is uh, there to, not tell you what to do, but to help you think through your challenges, like we've talked about. Yeah. Um, so there are some some negative perceptions of that, but I think it's changing, and a lot of coaches are more positive about it. In my own experience, when my company sponsored me for coaching, it was on promotion plans. So it was mm. like a six month promotion plan where uh, my title was going to be upgraded, and so they were working on one or two areas where the job grade description, you know, these are key areas where I would be overseeing more people, overseeing different types of of functions. And so I would need to be able to, you know, have this additional soft skill that would set me up for success. So I think a lot more companies are looking at coaches as an accelerator, um, Mm. uh, rather rather like an up ramp rather than an off ramp. Um, And so, um, yeah, I'm pretty optimistic about it. Um, there's a lot more people who are seeking out coaching on their own. Um, I've spoken to a lot of HR people and CEO people in across the region who mentioned that they 
uh, pay out of pocket for their own uh, executive coaches um, on an ongoing basis. Um, so I think I think it's it's trending positively. Uh, and of course, like we mentioned at the beginning, each market is different. Like the South African market is uh, much more mature when it comes to uh, the coaching industry. There's mm-hmm. you know um, tons of different life coaches and business coaches compared with other other markets uh, like Malawi. Um, yeah. where there's only a handful that you might find at least uh, online. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's about um, sensitizing people. And in fact, one of our coaches that is from South Africa shared uh, his dissertation about coaching. He had done his master's mm-hmm. in South Africa and he had studied perceptions um, uh, by black executives in South Africa. And one of his main findings was that um, while people could, while black executives could arc- articulate the theoretical value of coaching, uh, when asked, uh, they generally only um, were proactive about seeking it out after after they've had a positive experience with executive coaching. Which, which makes sense. You could say that yeah. about yeah. a lot of uh, a lot of products in general in terms of adoption. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, we we are trying to develop a way where we can essentially. Um, have a free pilot or a subsidized pilot for companies so that they can get a lot more uh, managers to experience coaching. And we found that the companies that are more interested in, in talking with coffee chat and, and thinking about a way to work together are um, companies where the HR person or the CEO has already, or is continuing to work with their own coach. Yep. That's so true. And, and for myself, I, I can also attest to that, that I really didn't, value coaching as much until I had been through the experience and now I I share it with everyone and it's really nice to hear that you know you're saying there's the positivity of that trend changing and you know the market's becoming more mature and understanding the value that can be brought from from coaching and, and having someone there to to guide you through that process who's been through it before. I want to pick up on a point you mentioned uh, uh, just just in your previous answer. You spoke about having a coach, you need to have the right chemistry, you know, have that uh, back and forth and that safety to, to be able to talk freely. How do you suggest people go about finding the right coach? Because not every coach works for everybody and, and the fit is not always right the first time. Yeah. Um... It's actually, it's also a two-way street in terms of uh, the coach also needs to find the client having a good fit for, for their own work mm-hmm. um, because coaches uh, say no to clients uh, a lot more than you would expect. Uh, I was surprised by the amount of uh, people that actually got turned down by coaches uh, when they mm-hmm. made requests because they it wasn't necessarily a good fit for the coach because the coach has a limited number of clients they can work with, whether they're, do, they're working full-time as a coach or part-time. They want to make sure all the clients that they're working with um, are you know, planning to use the coaching in a very impactful way in their careers or their, or their lives or their businesses. Um, so yeah, chemistry calls, or we call them uh, discovery sessions. Um, you can book actually on Coffee Chat. Um, you can browse through different coaches, see their... Um, their past experience and, and then schedule a discovery session to, with a few that stand out to see if there's good chemistry before, um, you know, actually going about uh, a coaching engagement, which generally 
is at least six sessions in order to really um, make a difference. But uh, I mean, the difficulty of finding the right coach is actually the reason why I started Coffee Chat. Um, you know, most coaches get their clients through word of mouth. Um, and then occasionally you might see someone on LinkedIn post, you know, oh, I'm looking for a coach who has some suggestions. But a lot of people or most people aren't comfortable saying, oh, I'm looking for a coach who has a recommendation. You might ask someone or just hear that they're working with a coach who's raving, you know, you're raving about how good that coach is. Um, so we wanted to make it uh, super easy for individuals to go and search, but also for companies to just um, not need to assign a coach to an individual, but instead say, look, you have access to coaching. You can go pick from, you know, these hundred coach options uh, on this platform. Um, but uh, yeah, ultimately you need to, you know, have that discovery session. You need to make sure that um, you're on the same page about the style of coaching that that person is using um, because maybe it is a good chemistry fit, but that coach doesn't work in that, in that style. Um, uh, and so you definitely want to, uh, you'll be, be um, working with a coach who, who's a good fit for you. Yeah. You need to go on uh, quite a few first dates then before, before you pick the right one. <laughs> <laughs> well, funny you say that I did, I was considering having a, uh, uh, like a Tinder, like uh, <laughs> flip, flip uh, action on the, the app, uh, but decided against that for now um, yeah. because yeah, we want to keep it uh, professional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but it is true. I mean, the difference between the experiences is, is very much a personal thing and, and how you react with the, the coach and, and how the structure and interactions between the both of you. And I very much pick up on your point there. It is a two-way street. You have to be knowing what you want out of it before you just go and expect them to you know, make your life better you have to know what you want out of it and then you'll be better able to to pick the right person once you have those those first dates uh, great so i know we're we're approaching the the end of the session and uh, and i've really enjoyed our conversation it, it it brings back some of the memories of of my first coaching sessions and and how it changed my life my approach my thinking so what advice would you give entrepreneurs out there or budding entrepreneurs professionals aspiring what advice would you give them throughout your journey and, and your in-depth knowledge of, of coaching? What advice would you give anyone listening out there? Um, I mean, the first is, is more of like a practical uh, warning that that's based on uh, what I shared earlier about my, my failure mm. um, is, you know, before you, you quit your day job, um, try to, to build it as a, a side hustle uh, using a no-code tool and have revenue coming in or at least investment raised that gives you uh, at least uh, like 12 to 18 months runway. Um, I had a bunch of kind of earnings and savings uh, to to work with and I had also uh, brought on some, some angel investors, but um, it's always going to take longer um, uh, to, to get things started. And, and that's what... Uh, I'm jealous about you, Jason, having having a role. Um, of course, you know there there is an argument to say that you you know can make a leap in that kind of uh, lights a fire under you to to get yep. stuff done quicker. Yep. Um, but ultimately, um, it's 
if there's a way where you can uh, grow the business while having maybe uh, like a partner who's supporting you, um, uh, it's it's going to actually uh, help you in in the long term because yeah. in a lot of sense uh, startups are kind of a survival game um, because part of it is timing. Maybe yeah. the timing of your model is you know two or three years off, and so um, you you could end up. Uh, um, needing to close down uh, right before you know maybe uh, your startup could have t- taken off uh, because you know you've gotten the brand out there, people are starting to know you, people are starting to come uh, for your services. So the longer you can survive, the better. And, and an easy way to do that is to not uh, quit your day job until you have that uh, consistent revenue um, coming in. And, and the second, um, a shameless pitch for for coaching. Um, having a coach helps you make decisions faster. Um, as a startup founder, typically you, you know the decisions that you have to make, but you sometimes um, can convince yourself otherwise. Like maybe you know deep down that you need to pivot, but you need to, it takes a coach really to have that conversation with yourself to articulate it in your own mind so that you can then have the confidence to pitch your you know, investors and team to make a dramatic change. And so um, whether it's a startup coach or a mentor or an executive coach uh, or someone else, um, you know, speaking to them uh, allows you to make those difficult decisions faster, which is going to ultimately better, uh, better uh, benefit uh, everyone yeah. around you and your business. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. I, I really agree with those sentiments. And uh, a lot of me, I think the grass is always greener. There is a part of me that envies what you've been able to do while myself having my full-time job as well as my startup. There's always that aspect of, oh, I could be doing so much more if I had that full focus. But I agree with you. There, there has to be the thinking of the long-term and Whatever assumptions you make now about timing, I think it's safe to double them um, and uh, mm. it's going to take a lot longer than you think. So having that uh, understanding when you go into it is really important. And a lot of the stuff that we discussed about looking at a, an MVP, a real MVP um, with customer feedback, very small investment, some of those aspects can be done before you fully commit. And, and that is true, definitely something the entrepreneurs out there should consider some wise words there, Chris, and uh, really enjoyed our chat. And thank you so much for for being on the show. Uh, Any parting words before we say bye? Uh, No, thanks, Jason. It was great uh, reflecting with you. I felt like this was almost uh, a coaching session in a way. (laughs) Well, it has been nice uh, after, after our initial meeting, just before the both of us entered our entrepreneurial journeys, to have a bit of a catch up and see where we are now. It's uh, great to see the success you've had and, and I wish you the best of luck in the future. We will, for any entrepreneur out there or any professional out there listening who, who may be interested in looking for a coach, we'll make sure we put up your, your link to see uh, if, they can, if they can find that perfect fit or have at least have a few first dates. So thank you so much again, Chris. It's been a pleasure and we'll speak to you soon. Thanks, Jason. Cheers. Great, so that was Chris from Coffee Chat. Now to welcome back Gerald and Mark, my co-hosts. What did you think about our discussion there? 
Gerald? Oh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, this is a subject that is very, very dear to me, similar to you. Um, coaching is something that I personally seek for and engage in. And I believe it is something that is, that is great. Um, I speak from my very own personal experience from that. I have been lucky enough to be able to have access to coaching at different stage of, of, of my life, at different stage of my um, entrepreneurial journey. I'm still actively uh, being coached in, in various aspects of my life. And this is something that I would recommend to any entrepreneurs or non-entrepreneurs like person anytime. Yeah. Um, because it is, it is something that is really helpful. And to go back on the entrepreneur side, as Chris mentioned, having a coach sometimes gets you to take decisions faster. Yeah. Because yeah. as you said, coaches do not take decisions for you. They don't give you solutions. 99.9% .9 of the time, you already have the solution yourself. Yeah. And it is just, they just help you have a conversation with yourself and, mm -hmm. and go to that next step faster uh, activate yourself faster and just give you this little not even a push but this little you know hand on the shoulder nudge in the right direction on, on whatever you already know the next step that you're going to take they just comfort you a bit into that so yeah super interesting conversation jason super relatable uh from my personal perspective and my personal experience so yeah, it was great. But that's a good point you raised there. Um, just like I said, there's a common misconception that coaching should be a one-off thing or one person instead of several coaches, you only have one coach. The similar to what you said there, coaching is not a one-off thing. It happens throughout the journey. You know, you're constantly maybe having different coaches or the same coach, but it's constantly happening throughout your journey. And that's something that a lot of people, I feel it's like you have a coach for a set period and that's it. But really, it's about coaching throughout the whole journey. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to add to that. Something that we, we should not lose sight on is mm -hmm. coaching is a human to human relationship. Yeah. You're building a relation with someone else. Mm -hmm. And 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 you 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 have different aspects of your life, which you relate differently to, uh, yep. to your different coaches that you have, you know, yep. uh, my personal life coach and my uh, entrepreneurial life coach, we do have overlapping conversations, but sometimes most of the times is yep. two different worlds, you know? So true. Yeah, and for myself, like I like I mentioned, big advocate of coaching and mentoring, and, and I think it has so much value. And I've recently gone on the journey of actually be, uh, starting coaching and mentoring myself, which has given me a different perspective. And I've actually learned a lot from that process as well. And someone who we know is a prolific uh, coach is Mark. What do you take from this view as a coach yourself? Uh, well, um actually i want i wanted to take another angle <laughs> okay. not a problem um, yeah because i think that that well you you touched well chris of course touch uh, i'm i'm a coach on on coffee chat um i i'm coaching startups as well but um but what 
what was interesting in his approach was really the questions that you had for him around why why the continent and why not the US. So being a US born citizen, mm-hmm. it would have been so easy for him to say, hey, you know what, I'm I'm gonna start in, in the US. Mm-hmm. It's it's so easy, the market's big, blah, 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 and all and all thing. Um, but the reality is, well, the market is big, but the market is saturated at the yeah. same time. So there are so many companies, so many people there um, that it becomes very, very difficult to make a difference. And actually, that's that's something that you know very few people think about. When when you think about Africa, you see, well, this is a land of opportunity, that's for sure. But at the same time, it's very dangerous. It's very difficult. You know, why why should you go on, on this on this market? This market is awfully complex it's awfully difficult uh it's risky it's and it's true the cost mm-hmm. of opening a business uh in nairobi in lagos yeah. is probably much bigger much higher than in paris or new york sure, yeah. uh, but the reward is is probably different as well um mm-hmm. first in the i would say if you're curious you will find more people who will be interested into what you're doing Coaching, coaching in the U.S. in and probably you mentioned South Africa as well. Coaching in South Africa is is very very well developed. Mm-hmm. Now, to his experience, coaching in in Kenya, Malawi, Uganda may not be as that developed. So yeah, he may yeah. be five years ahead. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, so if you can sustain the next five years, then you will be number one, number two in the next ten years. Um, so it's 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 a game, but that's I think that's I always make fun around that. You know, Africa time is an entry in Wikipedia. Uh, so time is an entry, of course, but Africa yeah. time is, an, is another entry because <laughs> time time does not have the same value. It feels like you know time expands, yeah. um, things getting slower sometimes, faster, mm-hmm. others different for sure. Yeah. So the way that you know time is is accounted for is different and i think to me that's that's where i think that is it's interesting in this approach is you know what what can i do differently that makes a difference for the community i'm serving my customers um and i think that's that's an interesting approach and i was i was quite interested i've been knowing chris for a while so but i think that was the first time really i was listening to him um you know talking about why he chose there and and not and not elsewhere. So I think that's that's an interesting perspective. Definitely, definitely. And I think um, if I'm going to paraphrase Reed Hoffman here, one of the things that you mentioned is like startups. The biggest successful startups are geared to. It's a higher risk of you actually succeeding, but when you do, that's when the the startup really become successful. So if he started in America with much lower risk, much lower startup cost with a saturated market, yes, but you know, he would be able to access um, professionals for coaching and as well, the people would know the value of coaching. But then the success there is not geared to the same level as if he's able to achieve that in Africa. So uh, I think there is definitely something to be said there. Those moonshots or, or applying your thinking to a difficult market is is something that can give reap reward, but at the end of the day, it it can be much harder. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 
Definitely. Great. No, it's and and I think that we talked about resilience a couple of times, and I think that's a that those kind of markets uh, where you definitely definitely need a lot of resilience. You need to be really strong in your mind, really strong in uh, in the way you approach your business um, differently. And, and you know, and I, I run I run a couple of businesses in France uh, back in time, and and I wouldn't say it's easier. It's definitely different. One thing which is definitely more difficult here is um, the the length things. Well, yeah, the the time the time it takes to do things sometimes, and uh, and the way that yeah, well, guys, you know, we need we need to do um, yeah things differently. I think that's that's yeah. that's the whole that's the whole thing. It's just uh, yeah. Uh, this is Africa. On that note, I'll say thank you so much, gentlemen. It has been a pleasure to discuss our entrepreneurial topics. So to our audience, thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to Entrepreneurs Talk Africa, and we hope to catch you on next week's episode. Thanks again. That's a wrap.